Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. You are loved, you belong, and you have a unique purpose from God. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. Here's today's message. What is up, City Life? How are you doing today? Hey, uh, this is going to be a great morning. Already been so cool so far. Um, I was in that video, but I had a huge puffy beard, so you maybe didn't recognize me. Um, but uh, I just wanted to start out, for those of you who do not know me, my name is Scott Hayes. I'm a pastor at Element Church, kind of across town uh, at Michigan State University. And I have known Jerome Veerling, Pastor Jerome Veerling, since we were in our early 20s. Uh, a long time ago, before um, pastoring and the stress of that grayed us, um, gave us wrinkles. And actually, I have a little bit of a picture here for you, I think. There's us. And you may be asking, how did they Photoshop little Jerome into the picture? Um, so this is us, and we, uh, we actually were wearing sweater vests to honor Jim Tressel at the time. He was the Ohio State football coach. We actually sent him some letters and pictures and just said to him, hey, we want to honor you, and we want you to know that what you're doing is actually impacting the lives of young people in Lansing, Michigan. And so we actually put together a little care package, and we sent him this picture um, and all of that, and so just honoring him. And so I wanted to start out today, and I actually wanted to honor you guys, and I wanted to honor your pastors and your team. I love your team. You guys have the coolest team around here. Um, I just wanna honor them. You're all around here, you're working, and I've known some of you for so long, and you just, you're some of my dearest friends in the world. Um, I wanna pause just for a moment and just with sincereness, just honor your pastors, Pastor Jerome and Crystal and the family, the kids. Um, I know a couple of you guys are here. You guys are the real deal. I have been walking with you guys for decades, and I have watched you in the highs and the lows. I have watched you weep over people. You guys are the real deal, and I just want you guys to know these guys are the real deal. They're not perfect, none of us are perfect, but these guys love people, they care about you, they, they, they think about you, they pray about you, so I just wanna honor you guys, and Crystal, you're here, Pastor Jerome, you're here, we love you, we honor you, thank you. Thank you for your yes to Jesus. Um, Jerome, little Jerome, you are here. Thank you for your yes to Jesus. It was cool. We got to go down to actually Birmingham, Alabama this last summer, and I got to, um, yeah, I was the chaperone for you guys' room. Um, you ate some chicken that was in a van for like 10 hours. <laughs> I'm glad you're here, bro. Like, <laughs> that's... Um, so anyway, I just, uh, just want to let you know, again, for those of you that don't know me, I, I am interwoven into this story. I, I consider myself family. I know that I pastor a different church across town, and yet, um, in a very real way, I don't pastor a different church across town. In a very real way, we actually get to do this together in a city. And we used to ask ourselves a question early on. We would say, um, how many Christian churches are in a city? How many Christian churches are in the greater Lansing area? And of course you can Google that and you can get a lot. Like a, there's a lot, right, a lot of numbers. But really when we go to heaven, the answer to how many Christian churches are in a city is there's one. There's just one. So guess what? I, like, maybe like, um, we're like, uh, we're, like a, we're a family. And so maybe I'm like your crazy uncle that you only see at Thanksgiving, but I want you to know I'm glad to be the crazy uncle and I'm glad that we get to be family. So, uh, so thank you for hosting and having me today. Thank you for letting me be here. Um, one of the things that I love so much about this house is 
um, is the passion for unity. And everything from, and uh, I grabbed this this morning, everything from a We Are One sticker in your lobby to the One Project to having pastors on a video reading scripture about being one. You guys are about one. You guys are about unity. And so I just wanted to start and say this. I'm not coming here to like introduce the concept of unity to you guys. You've been running that play for a long time. But I want you to know I've been in that play with you. I've been in that family with you. I'm in that mix with you. And we've been fighting for that for a long time. And I remember Pastor Jerome and I were in a little cottage probably two decades ago now, and we were weeping over unity in the body of Christ way back in the day. We were praying and believing for this. That doesn't make us cool. It just I just want you to know I am in this with you and I am fighting with you. And as I came today and prayed about what to bring to you, I really sensed this idea of the power of unity. And I was like, God, but they already know everything about unity. Like they're already doing that. And you know, and as I was praying, it's hard, right? Because when you drop the idea or the concept of unity, you need context. Because if we're talking about um, if we're talking about unity in a marriage versus unity in a family, versus unity in the body of Christ, versus unity in an organization, versus unity in, an, in, a, in a, a, a gender or generational or ethnic or racial or national unity. Like those, dropping unity in each of those contexts creates different tensions and challenges and creates the need for clarity. And so I'm not here today to give you like three tips of unity or five behaviors of a unified team, not because those are bad things to talk about, just because we would need like a tighter context for that and we don't have the time and I don't have the context for that. What I wanted to do today is I wanted to come and I wanna, I, how do I wanna say, like I want your heart to break again for unity in a fresh way. And I didn't come today to share like a concept, I came today hopefully to share like a spiritual substance. To say like, could we today go a little bit deeper, push a little bit further into this concept of unity because we are one. And it doesn't matter what age we are, what skin color we have, we fight for each other and we care for one another and we put other, we put Jesus at the center and we press forward for unity. And I want to bring that today, hopefully you can see the crazy uncle come a little bit and I can inspire you to a little bit deeper level of unity. And you guys are already fighting for it, but I want you to know you've got another person in the fight with you and I want us to push a little bit deeper because unity is supernatural. It is supernatural. It's not like something that's, it's like we're be nice. Like, yeah, be nice. It's something that is a supernatural power. And so I wanna look at that today with you guys. You know, we can ask the question, how do we build the kingdom of God in a city? How do we build the kingdom of God in our life, in a marriage, in a workplace? How do we build the kingdom of God? And you can answer that in a lot of ways. You know, hard work, strategy, grind, courage, smarts, spiritual disciplines, relational skills, communication. We could, yes, all of those things are good. But the way that we build God's kingdom is actually in unity. You guys ever watch Discovery Channel? And that, yeah, not as much anymore. It's like, it's, it's like on Disney Plus now or whatever. But you know, like, you guys all know the old adage, right, in the Discovery Channel when there's like uh, lions that are like hunting in a pack or whatever and they're going after gazelles or whatever it is. And you know what they always do is they always try to single somebody out. They're just trying to get one off by itself. Because if you can get one off by itself, then that's called lunch. You know what I'm saying? Can I tell you something? Unity is hard. It's really hard. I'm not gonna get up here and tell you like, let's fight for unity and like paint this like flowery picture. Like unity's hard, sometimes gut-wrenchingly hard. Sometimes weep on your carpet hard. 
But you know what's better than the alternative? Because the alternative is lunch. You want me to show it to you? You want to see it? 1 Peter 5, 8, 9, be alert and be sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers all throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. Do you know that Satan goes and tempts Jesus when? When he's alone? Right? He's alone. That's when Satan comes to tempt Jesus. And so I, I am here to remind you that unity is an antidote to our pride. Unity is an antidote to our desire to be in charge and be in control and be a big deal. Unity is an antidote to our tendency to be proud. It helps us with our anxieties. It helps us stay sober and alert and resist the enemy. It's a form of spiritual warfare. Unity is a form of spiritual warfare. It actually requires us to be humble and self-aware and actually emotionally healthy, and it requires us to learn to communicate, and it requires us to forgive. It requires us to care for the pain in someone else sometimes more than I care about the pain in me. Unity, by definition, is the quality or state of not being multiple oneness. And Psalm 133 says this, says how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It's like the precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. Where does the Lord bestow the blessing? In a place of unity. That's where the blessing of God is. So if you wanna know how to build the kingdom of God in a city, you wanna know how to build the kingdom of God in your family, in your marriage, in your workplace, in your own heart, in your own soul, fight for unity because it's a supernatural power. It's spiritual warfare. So I do have a couple uh, concepts for you or ideas today. Uh, if you're a note taker, you can write them down, but uh, this is just kind of the personal side of it. But number one, did you know we can't really be happy by ourselves? Do you know that in our Western context, like in our Western mind, we've created this thing where we think we'll be happy when we create our own personal paradise and we can either have enough money or enough influence or enough power to kind of separate ourselves out and kind of keep ourselves from, I don't need anybody, I don't need to depend on anyone, I'm a self-made man, we like that in America. That's like the American mantra, it's me, I'm in charge, I'm awesome, right? And we think like, well, I'll create this paradise, I'll get the whatever it is for you, I, you know, I'll get the pool, I'll get, the, I'll get that car, I'll get that, whatever. And we're creating this personal paradise and that's where we think happiness comes from. But you know what's interesting? Because if you go all the way back to the beginning of the Bible, we actually see God create a God, God created a paradise and then he puts Adam in the paradise. And then watch this, God himself is in relationship with Adam. And for the first time in scripture, God looks on and says, yeah, that's not good, you're alone. And for the first time in created history, for, for the first time in the biblical narrative, we have God calling something not good. It's that Adam is horizontally alone. That he's, he's in a God-created paradise, not a man-made paradise, and he's with God, and he's not happy. He's not complete. He needs some horizontal relationships. Genesis 2.18, it says, the Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. There's a vertical aloneness and we need connection with God, but there's horizontal aloneness. We need connection with each other. And you know what's really interesting is as soon as God creates Eve and there's two people that are in horizontal relationship, do you guys know what happens next? Have you read, have you read the Bible in the Genesis? Do you know what happens almost immediately, like within a couple verses? Relational brokenness. 
Sin comes in, and then you know what they do? Start doing it immediately, they start blaming each other. Isn't that crazy? Like God's like, it's not good for you to be alone, so I'm gonna give you a helper, and then they're in a horizontal relationship, and you go, oh, well, that's good. And then almost immediately they're like, it's your fault. Isn't that crazy? And then, and then Eve actually blames Adam, and then Adam actually blames Eve, and then blames God. And what we see almost immediately is that it's not good to be alone, and yet to not be alone is actually really hard. And it, it's really messy. Because love and unity is very fulfilling, but it's very hard and it's very messy. And so I'm here again today, not just to share a concept with you, but hopefully to put a spiritual weight on something. We need each other, and the expectation for us needing each other, it should be that it's good, and that God created it that way, and that it's gonna be really messy and really hard. And I just think that sets a good context for us is that this is gonna be work for us, right? Relationship is good even when it's not immediately pleasant. Somebody here who's married needs to hear that. <laughs> you guys laugh with me. <laughs> just, just laugh with me. Okay, Psalm 133.1, how good and pleasant it is when God's people dwell together in unity. So let me, let me say it like this. What if your happiness was not dependent on you creating a personal paradise? But what if your happiness was dependent on you being in relationship with broken people, in messy, broken relationship with people, but, but good people who actually wanted to do this well? What if that's actually where happiness is? What if that's where happiness is? And I would propose to you, that is where happiness comes from, and I will propose to you that you're in a great place, it's called City Life Lansing. And it's full of people that are not perfect, and it's full of people that really love each other and really love God and are really here committed to one another to say, we're into this unity thing. Because it's supernatural and we're about it. We all need horizontal relationships. We can't really be happy by ourselves. Number two, we can't really be productive by ourselves. Do you know it's fascinating to me um, in, in the Bible here in Psalm 133.3, it says, it's as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. And I don't have time to build all of this out, but uh, one thing that I can tell you is that those two mountains have different types of precipitation, different types of foliage, different types of growth. One of them has life and one of them doesn't have life. And it says that unity is like when there's a place that doesn't have life, it's like life actually is going to it. That's what unity's like. Unity's like when life actually just starts to crop up in places where there's normally not life. That's really cool because there's a supernatural fruitfulness in unity. I, again, won't go into this too far, but the Industrial Revolution actually brought people together and allowed them to specialize and actually start to work together in unity, and they built amazing things like the automobile and the airplane, and we started seeing this like rapid rate of acceleration in production because people were working together in unity. It's like if each person does what only they can do, there's something that happens that moves everybody forward. And uh, I wanna remind you, I love, I was out at the, the huddle today and they were actually inviting the new team members onto the team, which is so cool. And they gave you guys Sour Patch Kids, which is so Pastor Jerome. <laughs> I was like, there, there that's amazing. Uh, and, um, and, and also, in an envelope, a puzzle piece. Because you bring something, and a puzzle can't be complete without your piece. Because we can't really be productive by ourselves. You can read about this in 1 Kings 18 and 19, but there's a man named Elijah, and he is a prophet of God, and he actually has this moment where he's actually fighting the prophets of Baal, and if you're familiar with it, he's like talking to the other prophets, and they have this, they set up this little thing where they're gonna call the fire of heaven down to burn up a sacrifice, and he says, you guys go first. And so the prophets of Baal call on their gods all day, and, and Elijah's like, oh, maybe he's sleeping. 
Maybe your God's asleep. And actually, if you go read it, it's really interesting. Actually, one of the lines says, maybe your God's in the bathroom. Maybe he just can't get here right now. And then actually, Elijah calls on Yahweh, and the fire comes from heaven and burns up the sacrifice. And Elijah has this huge success, this amazing, productive success by himself. And if you read the story, what ends up happening is he actually runs into the desert. And there's some other pieces to the story. Again, you can go read it in 1 Kings. But he runs into the desert, and he's actually so depressed. that he. And, and if you go read it, he keeps calling out to God, and he says things like this. I'm, I'm all alone. There's nobody else. I'm all by myself. And you can hear this thing. Even though he's individually successful, you can tell that he has this thing still on the inside of him where like, I'm alone. I'm not with the people. And, and God says, I reserve thousands of people that you know nothing about. And then if you read it, it actually, that's the moment when God speaks to him about the people to go connect with. And he goes and connects with Elisha, S-H-A. Oh, that's always confusing. Like, could they not have figured out a different name? It's like, <laughs> but Elijah and Elisha, and the Bible says that Elisha did twice as many miracles as Elijah did. Because we can be productive by ourselves at a certain level, but there's something supernatural in the productivity that comes when we are actually together in unity, when we're with other people, when we depend upon each other. Elisha did twice the miracles and he carried on the mission. Um, I just wanna say this super plainly and I'll go to point three. You will never reach your full calling by yourself. You can't do it. It's like playing basketball. You can go shoot on the hoop by yourself, but you can't actually play a game one on five. It doesn't work like that. So we'll never reach our calling by ourselves because not only is unity good for us for happiness, but unity is actually good for us in productivity. And number three is that we can't really know God by ourselves. You say, well, that's quite a statement. It is quite a statement, but I actually think we can back it up. Now, I wanna be careful. There is obviously a way in which we have a personal relationship with God, and I believe that, and I preach that, and that is true. But there also is a very real way in which there's parts of God I believe we'll never understand until we actually are with other people who are worshiping God together. So here's the deal. You know, it says in Psalm 133, right? It's like the precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. For there the Lord bestows, bestows the blessing, life forevermore. There's three significant things about oil. And oil represents God's presence in the Bible, God's spirit. And there's three things about this right here. It represents the anointing, the anointing of God, the oil of God, the spirit of God. And so this oil represents God's presence. Secondarily, the oil is significant in the amount. It's literally, it's liberally running down his beard onto his clothes. It's a lot of it. It's God's presence, like a lot of God's presence. And then thirdly, what's really interesting is that, and a lot of people don't know this, is that the oil that it's talking about is made up of a diversity functioning together in unity. If you go study this out, and again, you can go read about it in Exodus 30, there's five parts of the oil. There's actually a prescription, a, a prescription about how to make the oil, the anointing oil. And it's actually, it's myrrh, cinnamon, fragrant, uh, fragrant cane, uh, cassia, um, and those actually all go together. And you can again read about it in Exodus 30. But those five components, they actually come together and they are unity and diversity coming together for the same purpose. And that's when the anointing of God flows. That's when God's presence is is, is literally running down onto the clothes. Not uniformity, but unity. Diversity working together for the same purpose. And you know, I love God, but do you know that I actually learn more about my heavenly father when I get to hang out with you guys? 
Do you know that being here listening to this worship team at City Life actually is a different flow and flavor than what I get to do at Element? Did you know that talking with some of you, you have a different understanding, you have a different, uh, a different personal gifting, a different personality, and I actually get to see the Father through you in a way that I would never get to do that by myself. Someone that thinks different than me, someone that has a different experience than me, someone that has lived a different life than me, someone who has different pain than me. And I get to know the Father in a way that I would never know him by myself because we can't really know the Father by ourselves. C.S. Lewis actually talked about this and he talked about how there was, he had two friends and uh, he actually gives us their names, Charles and and Ronald. I wanna read this to you. C.S. Lewis said this, he said, in in each of my friends there's something that only some other friend can fully bring out. Now, uh, Charles had passed away and he said, now that Charles is dead, I shall never again see Ronald's reaction to a specific Charles joke. Far from having more of Ronald, having him to myself, now that Charles is away, I have less of Ronald. We possess each friend, not less, but more as the number of those with whom we share him increases. For every soul seeing him in her own way communicates the unique version to all the rest. That, says an old author, is why the seraphim in Isaiah's vision are crying, holy, holy, holy to one another. The more we thus share the heavenly bread between us, the more we shall all have. I get to see God through you in a way that I never would by myself. I'll give you this last little piece on point three is this, is that actually in the Old Testament, and again, you can go read it actually, um, it's in uh, 1 Samuel 3, and there's, uh, Eli is like a senior prophet, he's an older man, and then Samuel's a new prophet, and they're in the temple, and they're sleeping, and God shows up in an audible voice and speaks to Samuel and says, Samuel, and, and he's like, here I am, but he gets up and he goes to Eli and he says, did you call for me? And again, you could go read it, but it happens like several times. And each time God's audible voice comes to Samuel, Samuel gets up and goes to Eli and says, did you call for me? And finally, Eli says, oh, I know what's happening. I'm paraphrasing it. You go read it. I don't think it actually says it just like that in the scripture. Oh, I got it. You know, he, he's like, he's like I, God is speaking to you. Next time the voice comes, say, speak, Lord, your servant's listening. Now watch this. The audible voice of God shows up multiple times to a human being, and Samuel, without the hand of an older person, can't quite discern God's voice. Now, I'm not saying you can't hear God's voice by yourself. What I'm saying is there are times when God could be speaking really loudly to us, and we still need someone else. What, hey, what do you think about this? Can you help me with this? Can we pray about this together? Because we truly, we can know God by ourselves, but we can't really know God by ourselves. And then that leads me to number four, is that we can't really have unity without intentionality. I do a lot of weddings, and uh, we use this this verse all the time in weddings. Uh, Maybe you guys have seen it. It's it's called like, I think they even have a name for it. It's called the knot. It's like a ring, like a brass ring. It has three ribbons on it, and you actually, the, the ribbons on each side represent the life up to this point, and then there's a middle ribbon that represents God, and then you braid it together. They, they do it usually during a song, and they braid it together, and it's like a, are you, are you guys with me? Has anyone seen this? You guys are all looking at me like, what are you talking about? And we read the scripture, Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12, two are better uh, than one. 
because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they'll keep each other warm. How can one keep warm alone? And then watch this. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A three-cord strand is not quickly broken. You're like, wait, I thought you were talking about two. And that's where we see two people helping each other, but then we see God supernaturally getting into the middle, and there's a three-cord strand. My daughter, who's 12, broke her finger the other day, and she was in bed the other morning. I was waking her up, and um, she's like, hey, Dad, can you braid my hair? I tried. (laughs) I tried. I did braid her hair. Um, My wife did rebraid her hair afterwards. I found that out later. Can I tell you something? It's hard sometimes to braid things together. It takes intentionality. It takes, it takes uh, uh, our focus. And three cords are not just woven together. It doesn't just happen. Unity doesn't just happen. It requires us to be intentional, to come with intentionality. And just, uh, uh, it was like two weeks ago, I actually had the opportunity to be in Holland, Michigan at this thing. Uh, there was a guy named Pastor Rob Ketterling who spoke. And I was actually there. Pastor Jerome was there. And a couple of your team was there. And, um, and he spoke about the speed of unity. And this is what he said. He said there's different speeds in the Bible. He said there's the speed of agreement. And in Amos 3.3, it says this. It says, do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so. That's like when you go, where are we going to lunch? And then you finally go, like, we're going to Qdoba. And you're like, okay. And then you all turn and you all walk to Qdoba. Like, we're in agreement. But if you're not in agreement on where you're eating, one goes to Qdoba and one goes to Chipotle. By the way, that's a good debate. We don't have time to have it right now, but that's a good debate. Maybe we have it in the hallway afterwards. Real quick. We don't have time, but we're doing it. Chipotle people, let me see you and hear you. Qdoba people. Wow, okay. (laughs) Let it begin. Okay, like I'm coming to try to bring unity and now we're in conflict over Mexican burritos. Okay, the speed of agreement Amos 3.3, and that's walking. We're walking together in agreement. And And then the next one, and we like this in organizational leadership, is the speed of vision. Habakkuk 2.2, it says this. It says, write the vision plainly on tablets so those who run may see it. So there's walking in agreement and then there's running with a shared vision. But then in the Bible, there's something else. And Rob Ketterling calls it the speed of unity. And in Genesis 11.6, it says this. And the Lord said, behold, they are one people and they all have one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. And then watch this. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Can I remind you that these are people that are doing this without the Spirit of God? This is the Tower of Babel. They're not, they don't even have the Spirit of God, but they're in such unity that it actually says that nothing will be impossible for them. And hey, city life, everybody look at me. My prayer for us today is that we would be in such unity with the Spirit of God supernaturally on it that nothing would be impossible for you. That you would move in a city and build the kingdom in a city where nothing would be impossible for you. Do you know Jesus, before he goes to the cross, he prays for you and he prays for me. It's the last prayer that we have really in the Bible where he's praying. He says, I pray for my disciples and not only them, but all that will believe in the message through them, which is you and I. And do you know what Jesus prays for us? You do because you're City Life Lansing and because you guys have it on stickers. He says, I pray that they would be one father just as you and I are one. And then it says this, may they be one so that the world may believe that you sent me. And if we wanna talk about unity, it's so that Jesus could be revealed for who he is, the son of God. We are one, 
right? We are one. I want to close with this quote. Across all barriers of land and language, wealth and poverty, knowledge and ignorance, we are one. Created from the same dust, subject to the same laws, and destined for the same end. With this compassion, you can say in the face of the oppressed, I recognize my own face. And in the hands of the oppressors, I recognize my own hands. Their flesh is my flesh, their blood is my blood, their pain is my pain, and their smile is my smile. God calls us to be one. And yesterday I was in Nashville, Tennessee, and I was in an event, and there was a Palestinian Christian and an Israeli Christian sharing the same stage, and they were talking about what's happening in the geopolitical climate right now. There's literally thousands of people that are being killed, and they sat on the same stage, and they said, we prioritize Jesus over our preferences. We prioritize Jesus over our geopolitical alignment. We prioritize Jesus over our ethnicity, our culture. We prioritize prioritize Jesus over all. And as we prioritize Jesus and set him at the center of unity, what we're able to do is then to say we have a shared person that we rally around, a shared identity that we rally around, and now is the moment we can come to the table and say, I see in the face of the oppressed my own face, and I see in the hands of the oppressor my own hands. I care about your pain and I love you. And I don't care who you are, where you've been and what you've done, you're my brother, you're my sister. And we put Jesus at the center and we lift him up and we glorify and we magnify him. And we don't just walk at the speed of agreement and we don't just run at the speed of vision, but we begin to move at the speed of unity where nothing is impossible for you. So I wanna pray for us. I wanna pray for you personally and then I want us to pray together as a family. Father, I pray right now God, I pray for every person, God, within the sound of my voice, God, in this room, online, God, those who will watch later, God, I pray right now for their life. God, what does it look like for them to take an intentional step toward unity? It doesn't just happen, it's messy, it's hard, but it's supernatural and it's worth it. And so, God, I pray right now that you would speak to each heart, God, what they need to do. God, for some, it might be a conversation with someone that they need to have. God, with some others, it might be a hand that's gripping onto something too tightly that they need to let go. God, it might be uh, getting into an orbit with someone that you've been laxed with. God, it might be serving someone or giving something or grouping up or praying together or joining a team or going to the connect booth. It might be starting a conversation with somebody new who you don't know even when it's not comfortable. It might be forgiving someone. It might be asking for forgiveness from someone, but God, I pray right now, whatever it is, God, I pray that we would take the intentional step, God, toward unity, because it's not just being nice, it's supernatural, and it's a speed, and God, we wanna move at the speed of unity that nothing would be impossible, God, for your kingdom in this city. God, I pray for anybody that's never got into unity with you, and if you're here and you've never started that relationship, you can just pray this with me right where you are. Just say, God, I thank you for sending Jesus, I believe he's your son. And right now, I open my heart. I've been running, I've been away, I've not been in unity, and so God, right now, I open myself to you. I confess you as my Lord and my Savior. And God, I ask you to come in and to change me from the inside. I wanna move as one with you. And Father, I pray you would make them one with you as Jesus is you and the Father are one. I thank you for eternal life and I thank you for salvation. And lastly, just as I get out of the way here and we go to worship, which is where, where we really wanna be right now, would you just, if you would, would you stand to your feet and 
If you feel comfortable grabbing a hand next to you, great. If not, would you put a hand on a shoulder? I know we're in a new time. And I just wanna pray over you. God, I pray with joined hands and touching shoulders. God, there is such a great call on this church. City Life Lansing, it's not just about City Life Lansing, but City Life Lansing is leading the way. We are one. And so God, I pray today, God, just for a greater spirit of unity even in this place. God, I pray that we'd be quick to forgive. God, I pray we'd speak the same language and God, we'd have the same mission and the same goal. I pray we'd walk in agreement and we would run with vision. But God, I pray for a supernatural spirit and a supernatural impartation of unity that nothing would be impossible. God, build your kingdom here. Build your people here. Build families here. Build marriages here. Build relationships here. Build us in consecration here. God, put us on our knees here. God, let us see our own face and our own hands in the oppressed and the oppressor here. Let us care for one another here. And I pray for unity across this place, God. Color, generation, age, nation, gender, sexuality. God, make us one. Bring us together so that nothing would be impossible for us. And we thank you and seal this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's worship together. You were the word at the beginning, one with